0: Did you or another adult that you love recently get diagnosed with ADHD? This diagnosis can be both a relief and a struggle. Today, we will discuss what can be next for you or someone you'd like to support with ADHD. Welcome to About Progress. I'm Monica Packer a regular mom and recovering perfectionist who uncovered the truest model to dramatic but lasting personal growth. It's progress made practical. Join us to leave the extremes behind and instead learn how to do something to grow in ways that stick. If you like this podcast, then you'll love my foundational course on identity called Finding Me. Speaking from someone who's had a few herself, I want you to know that a diagnosis is not an identity. If you want to find yours outside of your struggles and your responsibilities even, sign up for Finding Me. You can enroll with our new free Buddy Pass at aboutprogress.com slash findingme. The last couple of years, I have noticed a huge uptick in my friends getting diagnosed with ADHD and Almost all of them were adults and women. While I don't have ADHD myself, I do have a child, actually maybe two, time will tell, who does, and many of my clients do, and of course, all those friends that I mentioned. I've seen all of these women especially grapple with both the relief and the struggle they feel over this new diagnosis, and they're asking lots of questions like, what does this mean for me? Will I still be able to grow and change in the ways that I want to for myself? And what's next? Those questions are ones that I've heard in person and had asked a lot in my inboxes. So today, I want to help where we can for those who are asking them and for those who want to better support those asking them. Obviously, I am not an ADHD expert, so I asked one on the show who can better help. Siri Payne has a master's in education, and she taught special ed for many years prior to becoming a certified life coach. Siri has taught many students with ADHD, and she parents amazing daughters with ADHD, and is married to an incredibly talented man who also has ADHD. Through both her work and personal life, Siri has become an ADHD advocate. She now coaches women in business on time, schedules, and productivity, and most of her driven creative clients have ADHD. Today, we're not going to replace professional advice, but we are going to discuss how newly diagnosed women can move through those what's next questions, including how to grapple their complicated feelings about their diagnosis and ways they can be empowered to make rich progress happen in their lives with more awareness of both the strengths and weaknesses that can come with their diagnosis. Before we move into the interview, I just want to give a little disclaimer. This episode should not replace anyone getting the professional advice and support that they need. Also, while we did our best, Siri and I know that ADHD looks different for each woman. If there are blanket statements in this episode that either describe or prescribe here in ways that don't fit you or the person you love, we so get it. So take what is helpful from this interview, leave the rest behind, and definitely consider looking into professional support, maybe through a therapist, a coach, or a counselor who can better help your more specific needs. Siri Payne, welcome back to About Progress.
1: Thank you for having me again. I'm very excited to be here. We have
0: chatted about this topic because of a weird sort of phenomenon, which I'm sure we're going to cover that I'm seeing in my community and even my real life friends of adult women in their twenties, thirties, forties, who are getting newly diagnosed with ADHD. So we're talking mostly to those women, but we're also speaking to their, their friends and to their loved ones who want to better support these people. So let's back up though, Siri, why is it that so many adult women are getting newly diagnosed now with ADHD?
1: I, well, I think it's probably first important to say that I'm not a doctor or a therapist, and so what I have to share with you today is just the observations and some of the conclusions that I've made working really closely with women and children and adults with ADHD. And let's so stop I, you
0: just for a moment, though. Let's let's give them okay. the professional backdrop, though, because even though you're not a therapist that specializes in this, you do have a lot of professional experience, and you also do this as a mom, right? Yes. So, yeah, so I taught.
1: Yeah. So I taught special education for many years before becoming a certified life coach. And so with special education, most of my students did have ADHD along with another component, usually that required them to maybe need some specialized education. I also married to an incredible man who has ADHD and children with ADHD. And then with my work that I do, I work with women, not exclusively, but many of the women that I work with are creative minds growing businesses, and they too have ADHD.
0: Creative minds growing businesses, which I'm sure is a huge strength component to ADHD, which we're going to talk about. So, okay,
1: now I'll let you answer that question. Why is it
0: now happening?
1: So what I have seen why we're having this increase is that statistically men compared to women, women are more likely to seek help. They're more likely to get Mm -hmm. into a doctor or to receive therapy. So I feel like that this is one of the reasons why more adult women currently are being diagnosed with ADHD. But I also often feel that ADHD, and not even me, it's statistically that it presents a little bit differently than boys and girls. And so boys tend to be a little bit more like hyperactive or restless and fidgety. And so it's easier to detect in boys than girls, which means that boys tend to be diagnosed earlier. And so girls sometimes can fall through the cracks. Many women with ADHD, they're very wildly successful, right? They're reaching goals, they're graduating college, they're having children, and they're able to do that without really anyone noticing their internal struggles, mm. right? But I like to joke around with my clients because it seems to be a lot of them that maybe don't know they have ADHD prior to working with me. Mm. We tease that it's that third kid that threw them off balance. <laughs> yes. So whatever it may be, you know, whatever your quote unquote third kid is, we lately have been having unusual life circumstances and the stress levels of 2020 and still happening, right? Starting a new job or growing a business. It could be marriage. It could be the world changes. All of these things, whatever you want to label as like your third kid, they require actions that are needed to navigate this world that might be becoming too difficult for these women that what has like always worked for them. And so now they're feeling completely overwhelmed and they might be mentally exhausted because the things they used to do in the past aren't seeming to work anymore. And so when women aren't able to like modify or accommodate or navigate life as they always have done, then of course they're reaching out to, you know, therapists or doctors or some kind of need, which then they're discovering ADHD. And then finally, um, I feel like many women are getting diagnosed later in life, previously have had a diagnosis of like anxiety or depression, but now I think doctors have maybe created enough evidence or they have enough patterns to suggest that someone's particular symptoms might be more in line with ADHD than anxiety and depression. And so I usually, if you have, if you talk to them deeply enough and have this conversation, many of them have maybe been previously diagnosed with something such as anxiety and depression. And they're now realizing that maybe they don't have those things or maybe they're there, but ADHD is more in line with what is really going on.
0: Mm -hmm. This is hitting close to home in, in just my own family. I mean, my daughter wasn't diagnosed with autism until an older child, even though I'd had her tested since a preschool age, just because the research was done primarily for boys and and, and doctors and therapists and school people like were taught different signs that did not manifest for her as a girl. And it's, it's striking to know that that's the same with ADHD often. And also though, what a great thing we have now that we have more information coming out and that women are able to see even just on Instagram, someone they know who was diagnosed and they start hearing more of just how it was manifesting for them and thinking, aha, maybe this is me. And it's empowering to know that women are taking Taking this into their hands to find out, is this me and what can I do about it? But even when they find that out, there can be some mixed emotions, right? A lot of maybe relief can be part of it or acceptance, but there also can be grief and confusion, you know? And so I want to speak to those who are facing more fear about this new diagnosis. And maybe they're afraid of how ADHD could, you know, I'm putting this in quotation marks, inhibit their dreams or their goals or their functioning or their relationships what would you say to those women specifically who are really in the fear place
1: first i want to tell them that i truly am sorry for whatever feelings are coming up for them and i want them to know that those feelings whatever may be for you are totally normal and they're valid right these are big and they're true and they're real feelings So first thing I would like to say is just don't judge yourself for whatever it is that you are feeling. Right. And try not to live in the past. What I see a lot of is people living in, like, I can't believe I waited this long. How did I not know? Right. I could have been so much further along in my life or, you know, X, Y, and Z. Sometimes Mm -hmm. they blame like, why didn't anyone help me? Why didn't my parents help me? Whatever it is that they may be thinking. Right. So just don't live in that past and just kind of live from now. How can you make the future happen? And so that's what I'd like to speak to is like this diagnosis for you, it's good news. And the fact that you now have something that can empower and motivate you knowing why, what's possibly going on for you. It's like learning a new set of tools and tricks. It's like learning about some hacks and then putting it in your life and implementing it. So nothing has changed. Relatively speaking, you're still the same person as you were before you received the diagnosis. And now you have a richer understanding of maybe why your brain is doing what it's doing or thinking the way it's thinking. And this awareness can bind you with opportunities to seek out new ways and tips and tricks and even more help, right? There are so many options such as meds and therapy and courses and coaches and, you know, learning. There's so many things for you to do. So now that you know, you're the same person, but you have this, this set of knowledge Right? You don't have to navigate this alone. And there are people that are wanting to help you. So just ask for their help and don't be shy because that's how you will get what you need and allow you to grow to that person that you want to become.
0: Knowledge is power, comes to mind, right? Yes. And yeah, I think it's it's nice so that we're also giving them space to Maybe feel those feelings for a little bit. Like, yeah, it's okay to feel sad that you didn't know this until now, or to regret how it may be impacted things that you used to be passionate about, but then to move into the future with more knowledge and by that power and look forward to that just as much as you're going to give space or probably even more so with time space to the, the hard emotions as well, so that you can have that acceptance. So how can they do that then? How can they move into the future? What are, what are some, some things that they can do to empower themselves, you know, to shift from that sadness, maybe fear into empowerment?
1: So I think I just sort of touched on a little bit is remembering what I said before, that they are still the same person before they receive their diagnosis. And now they just have another set of awareness, right? Another set of tools to help them understand the parts of them that maybe they didn't understand, understand why things were hard. And that awareness just allows you to feel, I hope validated and understood, right. And seen. Hmm. and then the next thing is just to not focus on the weaknesses of ADHD because many, times when you realize, okay, this is what I have, then you go down that rabbit hole of like, oh, these are all the things quote unquote, right. That people with ADHD are not good at, but instead Mm. of focusing on those weaknesses, focus on your strengths, the ones that you have, and also learn about the strengths that are often associated with ADHD. This is the fun part that I like to help my clients with is often people with ADHD, they're very creative. They are super awesome risk takers, right? I like to say they don't hear the word no. Like they come up with an idea and they just want to go do it, which is so empowering, right? They're great at connecting with people. They're often driven. They're very driven by passion and ideas and novelty, which is so fun because then they explore and they learn so many different things that maybe some of us without ADHD inhibit ourselves from going after. They are also very talented most of the time in like areas of the arts and creativity. So just start to recognize your individual strengths and find ways to use more of them in your life. I like to talk about strengths a lot. And I feel like when we focus on our strengths, we become more confident. So many women ADHD or not, we're very quick to tell you all the things we can't do or all the places where we fall short or how we need to be better at X, right? Whatever that is. And there's really no point to that. And I like to share a story of like picturing like a bunch of people, right? And they're all profess to be very bad at math, right? And they're all getting together to be bad at math and to complain about how hard it is and how they don't understand it. Well, that wouldn't be very empowering for them, right? Any of them. And they certainly aren't going to get exponentially better at math, all coming together, all agreeing that they're not good at math and then trying to help each other. So the key to your success is to lead with your strengths, right? Find out what you're good at and then surround yourself with others that can help and others that are also leading with their strengths. And I believe that's how the world will really grow and increase in results is when we all are leading with our strengths and focusing on them.
0: And when you are saying, you know, lead with your strengths or, or to not focus on the weaknesses, I do want to just like put in what I know you and I have talked about this. It's not like you're saying, ignore the weaknesses, pretend they're not there, shut it off, you know, put, shove it down <laughs> under the bed. Don't focus on it. It's, it's just more of put more of your focus into leading with your strengths and then getting support for the weaker areas. Um, And we can talk more about that too, but I just wanted to make sure that's, that's what you're saying, right?
1: Yes. And I I noticed that like in the special education classroom, like, so an IEP, if you're not from familiar with it, is an individualized educational plan. And I didn't realize I was doing this at the time, but now as a coach looking back, I'm like, no wonder and my students seem to flourish really well. And what it was is I led with their strengths. So like if they were not a super good reader, but they really loved to read books about sharks, well then I made sure the books we were reading were about sharks. So I found their strengths, I found their interests, I found what they like to do, and then we brought those things into their weakness areas. And what I noticed is my kids increased exponentially compared to other teachers, just because naturally, right, we think, oh, they're, because in an IEP, it will say, this is the child's strength. This is their weakness. And here's the thing that they need to be working on. So of course they take their weakness and they're like, hey, we're going to hound, hound, hound this weakness. But I used to teach their weakness in a way of like what excites them. So if they were competitive, we played a lot of learning games. If they needed a lot of movement, we did a lot of kinesthetics or we did like reader's theater where they could move around and talk. So when you really hone in on what you're passionate about, what you're creative about, what you like, and then use those strengths to, help you navigate some of the things you're not better at, then I feel like you will grow exponentially because your strengths will increase, but so will your weaknesses.
0: Mm -hmm. When I think of my, my female friends who have been newly diagnosed with this, they are remarkable in their focus in ways that would have surprised me if I had known, like if I'd flipped it around, like knowing when their diagnosis wasn't that because that's them leaning into strengths, you know, leaning into what they are passionate about and how they can apply their focus in that, in those ways that are so super human powered. So i love that you are sharing. It's not about ignoring the weaknesses it's about how can I harness my strengths to move through these weaker parts of, of, of myself. What other tools would you recommend that they access to have better support as they're moving forward?
1: I think developing the gift of believing in themselves and talking about themselves in positive ways, right? Talking about themselves the way they would to a child. Cause if a child told you that they are terrible in something, mm-hmm. what would you say to them? Right. Would you just believe them? Right. When you say, mm-hmm. yep, you sure are. You're totally terrible at that thing. Right. And then would you say like, I don't know why this is so hard for you. It's so easy for me. Mm-hmm. And would you tell them everyone else can do it. There just must be something really wrong with you.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: right? And those aren't the things that you would say to a child, but yet we say them about ourselves all the time when we realize that maybe we're not as good at something as we want to be or that we think we should be, right? And so what do you say to yourself? Do you say something like even to the child, like, I'm sorry that this is hard for you. You know, what do you think that we could do to help make this easier for you, right? You might even go on to tell them how much you love that they're willing to work on these new things and they're willing to accept that it's a challenge, but they want to increase and become better at it right? So what you would do, I would assume if you're in a good mood and everything you're emotionally regulated, you would build their confidence in what they can do. Hmm. Right. And so that's the first thing I want women to understand is building their confidence in what they can do so that then they lead again with more of that rather than focusing on what they can't do. Cause we all have a set of can't dos, but if we focus on that, it's not going to strengthen the things that we can do.
0: Hmm. This is also helping me realize why so, so many women were diagnosed earlier on, maybe with anxiety or depression because of this self-talk, not that it's the only reason, but you know, when you are navigating life without knowing your strengths, you're only navigating them based off of your weaknesses. Cause that's what's keeps interrupting your, your flow, your productivity, your relationships. There's a lot of also self-identification going on of, I am bad. Something's wrong with me. I don't do this well. It's It it makes sense why that's also something that they're struggling with. So thank you for starting there. Coming up, we have more valuable support and advice from Siri on how to move forward with this diagnosis. But first, a quick word from our sponsors. And anything else you can think of?
1: So again, and I love how you just said like thoughts are really powerful, right? So if we believe we're bad at something and we're not good at something, our brain is very wise and it will find evidence for those things to try to be true Mm because it doesn't want us to be wrong. And it wants to create like that equilibrium in ourselves. So it wants to prove like, yep, you're right. You're bad at that thing. But again, just focus on thinking like, Maybe I'm not as good as I want to be, yet I can improve, or and I can improve, right? Mm. Using the words like the words of and and yet. And let's even talk about like setting a new habit. Cause I know lots of times it's like, I haven't been able to do this thing. And they maybe they now that they know they have ADHD, they have this awareness and they're like, Hey, this is where I want to go. So I encourage my clients and probably all of us to just type, start with one, just really yeah. build your ability to stick with one. Cause most of us want to create a whole new set of habits. And then mm-hmm. sometimes that can be defeating. So What I encourage you to really do is create your habit on something that you want to do for you. Mm -hmm. right? Something that you feel like will really empower and motivate and excite and positively impact your life. You don't want to be doing it based on the shoulds, right? Like you think you should do this or a good, you know, mom or a good, whatever should do these things. Or because maybe you're scared of what other people think. Like I should do this thing because people are going to think X, Y, and Z about me. Mm -hmm. Right. So make sure that you are setting it for you. Right. And then you're really excited about the impact that this goal could have for you. And then another thing I like to do is we, a lot of us get to be in that perfectionistic or all or none type of, you know, goal reaching and habits. And so just set baselines and ceilings for every goal. And I know you probably talk about this because it's Mm -hmm. widely known like floors and ceilings. I've always called them baselines and ceilings. I call them baselines too. That's funny. That's interesting. Yeah. So I think a baseline for those of you who don't know, is just the smallest thing you can do towards that habit. Right. It's something that you can accomplish every day, even like on the hardest of days. So, for example, if it's like drinking more water is like your the habits or the goal that you want to start setting, then maybe your baseline would be like, I drink one glass of water in the morning after I brush my teeth. And that's like, that's your baseline. But then your ceiling could be like, ideally, right. On a good day, what could you possibly do? And maybe it's drinking 64 ounces of water a day. And so then what you do is you navigate your habit or your goal throughout your baselines and your ceilings, knowing that you can at least do the baseline, even on a busy day, a hard day, a day you're really sick, you know, whatever it may be.
0: And so why is that really important though, for those who have an ADHD brain, having like a stabilizing baseline habit or routine sprinkled throughout their day?
1: Yeah. I think it's important for us all to develop that ability to believe in ourselves and have confidence in ourselves. And so that baseline allows us to do it. And it also sets us up for success for like, okay, even if I was so sick or even if I'm traveling or even if you know, my kids, whatever, right. Just think of like the worst day. Cause we, a lot of times set our goals from our best day rather than from like the hardest days. Mm-hmm. And so when you have that, you can go to bed and go, okay, today was a hard day, but I stuck to my habit, Right. And you're developing that confidence. You're developing that, that, muscle that you can believe in what you say you're going to do. And so I think a lot of us create these really high expectations for ourselves, and we're kind of setting ourselves up to fail even before we get started and not because the thing can't be achieved, but maybe you haven't set in other implementations and other habits and figured out other obstacles and strategies that are in your life that maybe you need to navigate through to be able to be more successful in that goal.
0: And I have a, I have a child too, who has this diagnosis, but I'm thinking about both them as well as my friends who have learned to navigate with their strengths. But one of the things that helped them with the, the weaker parts of this, you know, is having a touchstone, whether it's drinking water or a walk, like some kind of stabilizing routine or habits that are sprinkled throughout the day, they're regulating to their brains and bodies. It kind of brings them out of that fight or flight. And we all do this too. So this is going to help everyone. And I also think it's pretty supportive. It's predictable. It's, it's, it's grounding. It helps them feel like I can now insert my choice here. I can now feel grounded enough to do what I want and need to do next instead of feeling carried away.
1: Yes. I love that. And I think another, if you don't mind me sharing, I was going to say
0: any more. Yes. I
1: have like so many. Can I just keep talking for hours? No, please do. I won't. But so I think another um, thing is implementing automations, things like batching automation, creating routines so that your brain has the least amount of things possible to think about. So decision fatigue is a real thing that people deal with. It's kind of a new, not new word, but it's a catchphrase that we hear a lot, but it's very real for people with ADHD, right? Having to make too many decisions eventually just makes us feel overwhelmed and want to shut down. So when we can automate, and this is really good advice for anyone, but we can automate as much of our life as we can. We get a lot of those decisions made ahead of time. And it's really powerful because then it opens up our mind to be able to have time to make the decisions we want. So when I say automation, I'm saying things like, you know, like Steve jobs, how he wore the same outfit every day. Right. Mm-hmm. So that might be boring to you, but maybe you could do something where you wear the same outfit on Monday and the same outfit on Tuesday and the same outfit on Wednesday. And I even did something very similar to that. But then the next week I just shifted it a day. That way, if oh, someone yeah. saw me every Monday, they weren't seeing me in the same outfit. So okay. I had like five yeah. or six things. Cause we all actually do have the same outfits that we wear, but if you just kind of can automate them, that might be boring for you. So don't take that automation, but that is something definitely for someone else that really maybe has a lot of decision fatigue around like what should I wear and what do I need to wear for this event and this event right if you kind of know what you want to wear that happens automation can also be around like menu planning right and this can be something where you stick to the same menu every single week right or you make two two weeks of menus and then just rotate them, right? You don't have to create a new menu every single week. Just keep it simple, right? Plan things that you know you'll want to make, plan things that you, food you enjoy. And if you don't really like to cook and it's not your thing, then plan things that aren't super hard for you to cook and things that have the least amount of steps, right? So just tap into what you want, which is maybe to have a dinner for the family to eat, but then tap into your strengths is like, how do you want to get it there? Like, Mm -hmm. so if you don't like cooking, limit, you know, how creative it is. If you love cooking, then maybe you're going to throw in super creative things. Cause that's really fun for you. Yeah. So take your strengths and put them into some of the automation that you're trying to implement. So basically set yourself up for success, right? Make it easy, simple. menu planning can also be where you list the day that you're going to have the certain food like monday is this tuesday is this but it can also just be listing the menu ideas that you have on hand and putting them on the refrigerator or putting them in your day planner on a notes app and then on you know that tuesday you can look and say okay these are all the things we can have in the house and you just get to pick that night a lot of my clients like that because they want to feel spontaneous and they want to feel like they have a lot of flexibility and so this just sets them up to say hey these are the easy meals i can make in my house and which one do i feel like tonight
0: Your example find here, it's the day-to-day things that constantly come up. The ones like the, the groundhog day kind of tasks that we have, especially as as adults, like yes. we always have to eat, we always have to do groceries. Laundry needs to happen. Household chores, whether or not people are getting paid work inside or outside of the home, those are the things that can take up so much energy. I love how you shared about that. It, it automation adds predictability, and it in, in other ways gives you power. Right. So yes, but when
1: you say predictability, I don't want them to like shrivel up and be like, but I don't want a life like that. Right. No. Yeah. You want a life full of fun and freedom and flexibility, mm-hmm. but that's how you get it. Right. Is when you can automate and batch some of your tasks, then that way you are allowing yourself brain power, mental power, and the ability to do fun things in other parts of your life. Cause you have the rest of your life kind of streamlined a little more, as you said, predictable.
0: Yeah. And and this is one of those times where I'm realizing, you know, just like anything, this is going to look so different for every single person. ADHD will manifest completely differently from woman to woman, let alone from boy to girl, you know, like we talked about how the research is so different there, but I, I I'm thinking about one, one woman in my strive hive who has been really open about having ADHD. And she also says she's very literal, logical minded. She doesn't consider herself creative. She considers herself more distracted. And so this is why I I think we're going to go back to the roots of what we were talking about today is leading with your strengths, because even ADHD's strengths, will be different from woman to woman. Some are going to want more creativity and choice and others need more of the predictability and not feeling like they're going to get distracted as easily, not because they're creative, but just because they feel more prone to distraction. Anything to add to to that thought?
1: Yeah. I mean, just that particular person, I'd be interested to find out what's distracting her. Right. And is it thoughts about what she could do or just getting into something very particular, like my husband is this way too. He's, he's very creative, but he's not that energetic type of creativity. Uh-huh. But like, if we're talking about something as, you know, a group of people, he'll go and get on his phone. And I used to find it kind of embarrassing. So I'm like, we're well, here, we are talking face-to-face and he's on his phone. But what I've since realized is he's on his phone, looking up the topics that they're talking about. Right. So he's distracted, you know, quote unquote, from like what's in front of him, like that conversation, but he's really not, his, his, his mind wants to learn more. And so I might be saying it in a different way or using the word creativity where she used distraction, but just kind of notice what is taking you away from doing those things that you want to do to set yourself up for success. So I guess it doesn't really matter what we call it, but to answer your other question is I do have one more and it's just celebrate or reward ourselves for following through on tasks. Okay. Right? So people with ADHD, we often have kind of a lack of dopamine. And so they need dopamine boosters to be, they able have to a
0: dopamine. lack of dopamine.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like, well, and, not they know increase it, and they want more and they'd like to do things and we're all kind of the same way, but that's kind of that underlying thing. So that's why, whatever it is, so the distraction or the creativity, that thing they're doing, it's, it's creating a, some kind of result, which then increases their dopamine.
0: So they're drawn more to those things because of the dopamine it creates. That is so enlightening for me.
1: Yeah. So we, when we celebrate, right. Or when we make things fun, it's a great way to like increase the dopamine right at the end. So even when the tasks don't seem like lots of fun, I like to say maybe set timers, right? Some people like to like beat the clock, right. And that mm-hmm. can be a dopamine boost in its, of itself. So like, again, playing games, like beat the clock um, see many things you can put away in five minutes, you know, that really helps with kids. And it also helps with ADHD brains. It helps with all of us. Mm-hmm. I've noticed that lots of times I tell my clients to videotape themselves because I, I, I figured that out by accident. But I noticed sometimes they would videotape themselves cleaning their kitchen and then put it on social media. And somehow they're like, I just really like it. I just noticed I get it done. And so there's two reasons for that. One of it is called a body double and having someone like be accountable for them. Usually Mm -hmm. it's an actual physical person, but that that recording of them is kind of like a body double. But also recording them turns it in, in, in like double speed it turns it into something fun and and a novelty. And so then they actually stick to that. So record yourself on double speed. And maybe do, if you know that you're a video gamer or a dancer, maybe you tell yourself, okay, I'm gonna work and do this thing for 10 minutes and then I'll do like, you know, play one level of a video game or one, you know, dance to one song or whatever it is, but turn boring tasks into games, into excitement. And that really helps ADHD brains have the energy and the desire to want to get those things done a little bit easier than not.
0: And I think it also helps with that cycle we talked about with identity too. You know how you can also affirm in yourself, "This is who I am. I am someone who can lead with my strengths. I am someone who can still get the things done that matter most to me. I am someone who fill in the blank," which also creates that dopamine um, hit that we all need. You know, in, in good ways too, to to really cement this identity of I am a person who does these kinds of things, and I am not my diagnosis too. Which is a big part of what we were talking about earlier. This is who I am. This is me. We just did. What's the song? Greatest showman.
1: (laughs) (laughs) If I like to. Yeah.
0: This is me. Siri. This was equal parts enlightening, but helpful. Helpful for me as a mom with kids who are dealing with this. Helpful for me as a friend who wants to support my adult female friends who are working through a new diagnosis. And also for the women who are in, in these shoes, you know, and, and, and navigating this. Thank you so much. I want to know any resources you have for them, but first, can we do just a quick challenge for them? Like what is one small thing they can do to move forward a bite-sized way? These women who are newly diagnosed can move forward.
1: What if we gave them the challenge to start writing things down? So whether it's something that you need to remember, whether it's your new morning routine that maybe you want that you have, but you just keep forgetting to do parts of it and then you beat yourself up or to do lists, questions, ideas, whatever is swirling around in your brain, write it down so that you don't have to think about those things all day it really does save so much brain power, so much mental energy, and it really helps you clean out that mental list of all the things that you have to do. And that really lots of times leads to that overwhelm because you think Mm -hmm. I'll have to do all these things. So lots of times if you can just get it out of your brain, that'll help you have room and mental capacity and space to do those things that you want to do.
0: Okay. With your clients, do you find it's easier for them to write it on Well, I'm sure each person is different, but Mm -hmm. the majority, is it better for them to just do it on their phone? Like on a a notes
1: app, right? I mean, do whatever works, right? You could do a notebook. It could do a phone app. Maybe you can type it. Maybe it's a white dry erase board, a chalkboard, because most of these things aren't things that you actually have to do. Per se, lots of times it's just whirling around your brain. And it's just like, it's just kind of like your brain's efficient. and wants to keep reminding you like, Hey, don't forget to call the doctor. Don't forget to call the doctor. But if you just write it down and even though you're not planning to call the doctor, like till Friday and it's a Monday, like it stops reminding you because it's on a paper. Mm-hmm. This is more of like, not so much keeping track of your list. But like getting it all out of your brain so that that's clarity, because if you wake up and all of these things are swirling around in your brain, you're automatically going to feel a little overwhelmed. We're going to feel a little behind. We're going to feel overscheduled, overplanned. And so it's almost like just dumping it out. It's like, have you ever been to the grocery store and maybe you were on like a vacation or a trip and you didn't take everything out of your car first. And so you still have like the boogie boards and you have the sun umbrella or whatever. And then you're like, I don't have any room to put these groceries in. Okay. So we're like taking it out. Right. So that we can actually make room for the things that are important. So that's kind of what it is, is just getting in the habit of journaling, writing it out, creating to-do lists, but all of the things that are on your mind. And then along the same lines, if you want to take it up a step, is if you have um habitual habits and routines that you do, like you have lists, of, okay, this is the day we're gonna do this cleaning and this is what we're gonna do, or if you have a morning routine for yourself or for your kids. And your kids might have a night routine and a morning routine. Think of all the time you're trying to remember like, hey, now go brush your teeth. Okay, now go get your pajamas on. Okay, go pick up your room. What if all of those things are written down for them and they just look at them, right? And you can even put pictures if they can't read yet. That keeps them on track. And lots of times in the morning at night, we're a little stressed and then we can't remember what what they need to do. And we feel like we're trying to get them on track and keep us on track. And then we sort of emotionally dysregulate and kind of blow up usually if you're like me. And then we start maybe being a little more angry at our kids, like just hurry up and go do it. And so if you can write down as many things as you do and either laminate it, put it on a whiteboard, put it on somewhere where it's available, then your brain has less thinking to do. And it, again, has more room to do the thing rather than think about doing the thing.
0: Mm-hmm. This is so helpful. Siri, where can people go to find you and the resources that you have for them?
1: I am on Instagram and just come find me at Siri pain coaching. So it's C E R I Siri pain coaching. And I also have a freebie that might help. It's a lot about batching and automation and it's 24 simple ways to save 24 hours. So if you go find me on Instagram, there's a link in my bio for that. And I would, if that, if you think that that would be something that would help you to understand the power of batching and automation, then it may be for you.
0: Okay. Let's we'll link to that. So that way they can get it 24 simple ways to save 24 hours, 24 hours. Ooh. I'm like writing this down word <laughs> for word. Ah, oh, Siri, you are so remarkable. Thank you for spending this time with us. We appreciate
1: it. You are welcome anytime.
0: I hope this episode gave you the hug and kick in the pants that you need to grow. Do not forget to get Siri's freebie 24 simple ways to save 24 hours. We have it linked for you in the show notes. And I also want you to know that Siri is excellent at helping her clients identify priorities, organize their time, and create simple schedules so that they can make progress towards their goals while having enough time to enjoy both their business and their life. If you are interested in her work, make sure you follow her on Instagram and check out our website. We have them both linked in our show notes. Here are the progress pointers from this episode. This is where I share the cliff notes so you don't have to worry about what to take away from this episode. And those on my Go Get Our newsletter get this in a graphic form each week. Number one, remember that you're still the same person you were before, but now you have a richer understanding of why and how your brain works. And this creates more opportunities for you to be more successful with time and support. Two, It's easy to get lost in the conflicting emotions you face when getting an ADHD diagnosis. Feel them all, but do your best to move forward by leading with your strengths while also better helping your weaknesses. Three, to help, get clear about how you choose to view yourself and your capabilities. Number four, find ways to build routines and habits that help you feel regulated and supported in your life. Also, make room to add in creativity, excitement, and interest where and how you can. And number five, consider systems that add predictability where desired, such as batching, automation, set days for set routines and tasks, deciding once and more. Your do-something challenge for this week is to choose one of these two. Either consider adding in a brain dump as a regular habit to your life, where you just pour out all the stuff in your head, or consider writing up a habit list, of all that you do, so that your family can see and refer to them or ones that they need to uphold themselves. So that was either consider a brain dump or making habit lists. When you do that, make sure you share about it with me. And I get to spotlight some of you on the show. Today, I'm going to spotlight a progressor named Kelly. She has ADHD, and the past few years, she has harnessed lots of supportive habits and routines and systems for herself, and that has all carried her through several moves. She's gone back to school to get her master's, and she just started a new job too, on top of being a mom to amazing kids. Kelly, you're doing it. Thanks for being a part of our community. Was this episode helpful for you? Here are two free and easy ways you can in turn help the podcast. Number one, share about it. Tell a friend about it. Number two, leave a rating and review either on Apple Podcasts or uh, Spotify. And I just want you to know that we cannot grow without you. And just so you know, we have not had a review left on Apple Podcasts for over three months. A simple line or two goes a long way to supporting the show. So just keep it simple and leave a rating and review. I would so appreciate your support. Thank you so much for listening. Now go and do something with what you learned